let's let Ignite know one more time how much you appreciate them coming. So very grateful for our relationship with the University of Mobile. And again, let me just give a quick plug. If you've not had the opportunity to come to one of the performances, Christmas Spectacular, I strongly, strongly encourage you to come this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and you can purchase those tickets online. Let me invite you to take your Bible this morning and find the book of Psalms. should be there close to the middle of your Bible, Psalm 100, as we are making our way, preparing ourselves for our Advent season, our Christmas teaching series, I wanted to take a couple of weeks and talk about a couple of things in particular to remind you as a child of God. Last week we talked about the fact that if you are born again, there's been a time in your life that you turned from sin and selfishness, trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in the Lord's army. And we talked about the fact of what it looks like to be a soldier for the Lord. Jesus, the Bible says, is the captain of the armies of heaven. He is your commander-in-chief, and you and I are to serve him obediently and faithfully. Now, what I want to say to you this morning, just from the very beginning, before we even examine the text together, is that I serve the Lord, I serve my commander-in-chief, not in fear of what he'll do to me if I don't serve him, but I serve my commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus, because I love him. I serve him because of what he has done for me. I serve him because I love him, and I love him because he first loved me. And I serve him because of not only what he has done for me, but what he continues to do for me. And if nothing else, if he does nothing else for me, I should give him praise and I should serve him and I should be grateful for what he's done. Amen? It's that kind of attitude, an attitude of gratitude that we see from the psalmist in Psalm 100. If you would just stand in the honor of the reading of God's word as I read aloud, you just follow along. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. And then if you would just turn a page over to Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as I've done almost every single week, I want to encourage you to take a pencil, take a pen, and I want you, as you're being seated, underline, if you would, that phrase in your Bible there in Psalm 103, verse number 2, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Those early settlers came to this nation looking for freedom, looking for a 
a place in which they could worship God freely. They came to this land. They weren't certain where they were. But over time, they began to pray prayers of gratitude that God was with them, that God protected them. And then they set aside a particular day, a day of giving thanks that they would not forget all the benefits that God had given. If nothing else, I'm so very grateful that we're entering into a season in which you and I give thanks, that we forget not all his benefits. Now this morning, as we gather around the Lord's table, this morning we're gonna celebrate communion. And in preparing our minds for that, preparing our hearts for that, I want you to take your pencil, take your pen. There are three truths that I wanna lay on your mind and lay on your heart regarding thanksgiving and giving praise and having the attitude of gratitude. And the first truth that you need to know is this. Our natural tendency is to be ungrateful. I mean the natural man, the natural attitude, our natural tendency is to be ungrateful. In fact, you ought to take your Bible, hold your place here in the Psalms, but find the book of Romans in chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Because the fact is, man is by nature ungrateful. That is our natural tendency. Romans chapter 1 talks about the heart and the deceitfulness of the heart, the depravity of the heart. It talks about man and the depravity of man, pagan man. And it says this in Romans chapter 1, verse number 21 and 22. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse number 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. The Bible tells us that natural man, the pagan man, the man with a depraved heart, that he knows there's a creator. He knows that God made this world, made everything in it, that God made him, but he chooses to be ungrateful, chooses to be unthankful. And so they knew it. But the Bible says that the response of man is that man is unthankful, that man is ungrateful. And when a Christian, when a Christ follower who's been born again, who knows that God is the creator, knows that God is the redeemer, knows that God has created everything and has given everything, but when the Christian refuses to be thankful, he is no better than the pagan. See, you and I are surrounded by people who refuse to give thanks to the God of creation and the God of redemption. And for the child of God not to be grateful is to be like the pagan. It is natural for us, though. It's, it's our natural man, our natural tendency to be ungrateful. It's natural for a person to be ungrateful. Think about that. You don't, uh, Think about a, a child. I could take you right now over to our nursery, and I could take you over to those little babies in the baby beds there, and most all of them are laying there, and if they're awake, they're probably screaming, and if they're screaming, they got their, ball, their, their fists balled up. I mean, think about little babies. They just are shaking their fist as if they're saying, mine, and you can't have it. Think about it as those little babies. What's the natural thing for a child? To be selfish. The natural tendency 
of your heart and my heart is to be selfish, to be ungrateful, to be unthankful. Think about it as that little baby, as that infant grows up. You think about a little, little child. Let's say that a little child receives a gift. Then what do we say? Now, Billy, Billy, what do you say to grandmother? What do you say? Grandmother gave you that gift. What do you say, Billy? Billy, what do you say? Billy, thank you. Right? So the natural tendency is not to be grateful, not to be thankful, but to be selfish. I mean, that's just the way that we are. That's the way the human heart is, and we have to drill it into them, right? We have to teach them to say thank you, to teach our children to be thankful, to teach them not to be selfish, because naturally, we're selfish. What is natural for us, we don't have to be taught. What's unnatural, we have to be taught. You think about it, you take a little duck. If you were to take a duck and throw it into the water, you don't have to give that duck seven easy swimming lessons. You don't have to give that duck in the beginning little little floaties. You just throw that little duck in the water, and what's it going to do? It's going to swim. Why? Because it's natural. What's natural for that duck, you don't have to teach it to do. And what is natural for us, the human heart, is to be ungrateful, is to be unthankful. And what we have to be taught is to give praise, is to give thanks. What we have to be taught is to be generous. Because by nature, we are selfish and we're ungrateful. One of the reasons that God commands us to be givers as Christians, to give of ourselves, to give of our time, to give to others, to love others, to give of the tithe, to give of our means, is because God wants to break in us that natural selfishness with which we were born. Our number one strategy with regard to evangelism at Cottage Hill it's something we call love where you live. Now, do we still do door-to-door evangelism? Absolutely. Do we just one-on-one? Do we share the gospel? Absolutely. But our overall strategy, what we've learned from our Lord Jesus, who himself said the Son of Man came not to uh, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our church strategy is something called love where you live. And all of our small groups, all of our life groups, about every four to six weeks, go out and serve the community. It's an incredible thing to see our church members just going out and serving. And then three or four times a year, we come together as a church. Uh, the young people, the older folks, the married folks, all of us together, and we go out and serve as we're doing this Christmas season with our county jail as we go to the elementary schools, as we go out into the community. But we serve. And why do we do that? Because what we've discovered is that when we go out and serve, the people who are recipients of those gifts and those acts of service, do you know what they say without exception? Why are you doing this? What's the catch? What do you want in return? And we just say, hey, we're just here representing Cottage Hill. We're just here representing Jesus. There is no catch. If given the opportunity, we would love to tell you to whom we believe, where we have our hope, how we have our peace, but there is no catch. See, the natural tendency of man is to be selfish. It's not the natural tendency to give, give of ourselves and to be generous. In fact, that's the reason there are some of you, although we've been doing this year after year after year of going and helping and serving, there are many of you who have not helped us at all who've not gone out and served. It's because your natural tendency is to be selfish. 
The natural tendency is for you to not give of your time. But God commands us. God wants us to give of ourselves and of our time and of our resources so that he can break within us this natural tendency of selfishness and ingratitude. Luke chapter 17, Jesus is traveling with his disciples and there are 10 lepers that approach Jesus from a distance. For those of you that are not familiar with leprosy, it's that that flesh-eating disease, the fingertips, the fingers, the hands, the feet, the ears just begin to rot off. It's very painful. And these 10 people were dying of leprosy. And they approached the Lord Jesus because at this particular time, Jesus has, has become famous and known for his grace and his mercy and his his healing power, and they approach Jesus at a distance and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus speaks a word and heals them and says to them, go to the temple and and have the priest examine you that you may be cleansed. And so they begin making their way, and as they begin making their way to the temple, they begin to to look at one another and, and they see that their, their hands begin to, to be healed and their face and their ears and their feet and they're looking at one another and they go, you're, you're cleansed, you're healed. And they begin to rejoice among themselves and they continue to go to the temple. They, they, they may be declared clean so they can go home to their families. But of the 10, the Bible says one, one returns to Jesus and says, Lord, praise you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus says to the one, were there not 10? Where are the other nine? Only one has returned to give thanks? And you and I think about our culture today. You and I think about our churches today. You think about Christianity in America, and I would say to you, are the odds any better? And the Christians will gather this week, and they will feast with their family. Many will travel, and maybe on Thanksgiving Day, for just a moment, they'll hold hands, they'll say a quick prayer, almost a flippant, thank you, God, for all that you've given but now let's enjoy our time together. What we're seeing today in our nation, what we're seeing today in the church of the risen Christ is we're seeing an an, an ingratitude, unthankful. I mean, that's just exactly the way it is in the life of most people today. The psalmist said that we are to thank God and forget not all his benefits And if Thanksgiving doesn't do anything else, at least it makes us in this one time of year to count our blessings and forget not all the benefits that God has given to us. And so I would just challenge you this morning and that as you travel, as you spend time with friends and family, take time and think and thank. You see, those two things Think and thank. They have the, those two words have the same root word. I think they're connected. 
I think that you and I ought to stop and think. I think we're to count our blessings. And as we think and count our blessings, then in response and in return, we give thanks. But I pray that you and I pray that me, that we would not be as the, as the nine. Because the natural tendency is to be ungrateful. There's a second truth that I want to give you this morning, and it's this. Every good gift comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. Right in your notes there, James chapter 1 and verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Listen, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Now our natural tendency is to be ungrateful. Our natural tendency is, is certainly not to be thankful. Our natural tendency, tendency is to look around us and to say this, man, look what I've done. Man, look, look what I've accomplished this year. You see that house? I built that house. I did that. To which I want to say to you, sir, and I want to say to you, ma'am, who gave you the job so that you could work, so that you could make money, so that you could build or buy that home? Who gave you the wisdom that you have to make those good business decisions? Who gave you the drive? Who gave you the motivation? Who did that? Who gave that to you so that you could have what you have? And I would say this to you, friend. Listen, every good gift comes from God. Everything that you have has come from God. And we're to recognize that everything we have, everything that's been given to us is from God. I love the old story of the little boy that was walking down the street and he had a little loaf of bread. The man said to him, son, where'd you get that loaf of bread? And the little boy said, well, I got it from the, the grocery store. The grocer, he sold that to me. Well, son, where did, where did he get that bread? Well, I, the little boy said, I, I guess he got it from the, the baker. The man who baked the bread, I guess that's where he got it. Well, son, where did the baker get that bread? And the boy thought for a moment. He goes, well, I guess he, I guess the baker got the, the flour from the, from the miller, the man who milled that flour. Well, son, that's fantastic. Where did that, that miller, where, where did he get that flour that he would grind that grain and make that flour? Where did he get it? And the little boy stopped and he thought for a minute. He says, well, I guess I guess he got it from the farmer. I guess the farmer had the grain and the miller got the grain from the farmer. I guess he got it from the farmer. Well, son, where did the farmer get the grain? Well, the farmer, I guess, got it from God. So let me ask you again. Where'd you get that bread? I got it from God. Everything that you have, everything I have. We can boast and we can be prideful and say, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. But friend, let me say to you this morning with boldness, everything you have is from God. Every good and perfect gift is from God. Listen, you may have gotten it from Publix, you may have ordered it from Amazon, but I assure you, you got it from God. 
God is the giver of every good gift. He's the giver of every perfect gift. Everything we have comes from God. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's two people, two types of people, who fail to recognize the blessings of God. The first is the unsaved person. The unsaved person just fails to recognize the blessing of God. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never been born again. You've never received the gift of eternal life. And you're ungrateful because God, listen, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, who died on Calvary's cross for you. He was God's gift to you. He shed his blood to pay your sin debt that you might have the gift of eternal life and live in heaven forever and ever with him. And on this earth, you might have abundant life, but you've never given your life to Christ. And it is the height of ingratitude because you have refused to give thankfulness to the greatest gift ever given to you. And then there's the saved person who's not grateful to God. The saved person who has experienced the benefits of salvation, knowing that his sin is forgiven, understanding the word of God and the promises of God. And there's been times in your life Times in your life in which the pressures and the anxieties and the struggles, and there's been times in your life that you fell on your knees and you said, God, if you would rescue me, oh God, if you would forgive me, oh God, if you would just come through right now, I promise I will obey you. I promise you I will follow you. I promise you all of these things, and God delivered you, and God rescued you, and God forgave you, and yet here you are ungrateful. And God has seen you through time and time and time again. God has moved and God has blessed and you've received the benefits from God and yet you have forgotten his benefits. And so number one, understand that our natural tendency is to be ungrateful. Truth number two, every good gift comes from God. The third truth I want to give you this morning just as we prepare ourselves for communion is that we are commanded to give thanks. We are commanded to give thanks. No doubt you've heard, you're familiar with the imperative found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 18. Matthew 5, 18 says what? It says be filled with the Spirit. It's an imperative. It's a command. Ephesians 5.18, but then two verses later in Ephesians 5.20, what does it tell us? It tells us about thanksgiving. Ephesians 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's keep that verse up there. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. Give thanks always and for everything. Now think about that. I mean, every day we're to wake up with a heart filled with gratitude, a heart filled with praise. I mean, every day giving thanks for everything, for everything. Friend, that means even the things that are sorrowful, even the things that, that bring you to tears, even the, the difficult things, even the, 
the bad things. You mean, Pastor, you mean I'm, I'm, I'm to give thanks even for those hard times? The difficulty? That's the command. Can I remind you of that very familiar verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. Write it down in your notes, Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This is one of those verses that is so often misquoted, misinterpreted. So often I hear people say, well, you know God works all things for the good. No, he doesn't. The Bible says he works all things for the good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Friend, you must first meet that qualification before you can claim the promise. But he does promise that God works all things for The good, you ought to underline in your Bible that little preposition, for. He works all things for your good and for his glory, but he works it. He works it. Even the tragedy, the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter, the the death, the divorce, are they good? Is Is it, does God say it's a good thing that you've lost your job? Is it a good thing that you've been through a divorce? Is it a good thing that you've lost your child? Is it a good thing that your daughter is a, is a prodigal? Is God saying that's good? No, it's not good. It's hurtful. It's painful. And he knows it. He recognizes it. But what he promises is that if you love him, if you trust him, he will take these bad things and he'll work them to the good, for your good and for his glory. You and I are about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Whoa, one of my my favorite times of the year because I love to eat. Amen? I save up all my cheat meals, and I just have them just three or four days in a row. One of the things I dearly love are desserts. You think about those pies and those cakes. You think about those individual ingredients. You take that flour in and of itself, it's nasty. Raw eggs, nasty. Vanilla extract, smells nasty. Wonderful, but, oh, you don't want to taste that. Those things are, are bad in and of themselves separated. But, oh, some of you, you can mix them together, put them in the oven, bring it back out, slice it. Ooh, delicious. You've taken those, you've taken those bad things and you've mixed them together and you brought forth good. It's exactly what God does. God takes the hurts and the pains in your life, that which is bitter, but he works it for your good. There's the old story of the the man who was shipwrecked, and he took the remnants of that ship, and he, he built a shelter, and he had a little bit of food that he could find, and he gathered together, and he began to pray every day, God, rescue me. God, save me. And day after day after day, and he began to run out of food, and He's praying, God, do you hear me, God? I need you to rescue me, God. I need you to save me. And one day he's out and he's looking for food. And he had left his little fire built in the shelter and the wind shifted. And his whole shelter, his whole hut caught on fire. And as he's rushing toward his little shelter, he stands there and he watches. As his home, as a shelter, and all the little bit of food that he had left is just burnt 
to nothing. And he has nothing. And he goes, God, why have you allowed this? God, what have you done? God, I have no shelter. God, I have no food. God, I'm going to die. And about that time, he turns and he sees, a, he sees a rescue boat headed his way. And they arrive on shore and he says, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you. Everything that I had, everything that I was keeping me alive just burned up. And the men on the boat says, that's how we saw you. We were going by, we were passing by, we never would have seen the island, we would never, never known to come here, but if it wasn't for the fire. You see, listen to me. Sometimes, and it may be even for you in your life right now, maybe your, your hut, you've watched it burn down. There's an aspect of your life, you, you've seen it even recently just burn down. And it's bitter and it's hard and it's ugly and it, you're not sure what's happening, but it could be that God's going to use it to redeem you. It could be that God's going to use it to rescue you because God, if you'll love him and if you'll trust him, he'll take all the bad and he'll work it for your good and work it for your glory. We're commanded to give thanks even for the, the sorrowful things. The hard things, the bitter things, the difficult things, but then certainly you and I are to give thanks for those material things. We're to give thanks for our family and give thanks for our friends. I've been doing that in the last few weeks, just in my own heart and my own mind, thinking and thanking. I'm so grateful that I have two or three men in my life that are true friends. I have two or three men in my life that if I called them at 3 o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't have to explain myself. I wouldn't have to describe the scenario. If I just simply said, I need you, I believe they would come. Without question, without hesitation, I believe they would come. And friend, if you have two or three people in your life that you could call on, that you could count on, then you are blessed. And you ought to be thankful. You think about old Job. Oh, Job was a righteous man, the Bible says, but he had some bad friends. You know the story? His friends showed up. Job's, Job's in a mess. Job's tasting the bitterness of the bad in his life. And his friends show up and say, Job, what did you do to deserve this? What kind of sin is in your life? Job. This is what his friend said. You ought to just curse God and die. Listen, I'm thankful that I don't have friends like Job. Amen? I'm grateful today. You need to know that this man here is grateful. Grateful for his friends. Grateful for his family. Grateful for even when the huts have burned down. I'm grateful. Listen, you need to know this about your pastor. I I'm grateful for Cottage Hill. I've been your pastor for nine years, and I was thinking this week, nine years. You know what we've seen God do in nine years? Reduce over $5 million of debt in Cottage Hill. We've seen over 1,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, just in the last year and a half, we've seen over 200 people come to faith in Jesus 
the last two weeks, we've baptized nearly every single Sunday since January. It's been two weeks in a row we've not baptized. We've not gone two weeks without a baptism. But because of UM and the stage, we haven't been able to do it. But guess what's going to happen next week? Multiple baptisms. Every single week, we see people come to faith in Christ. We've launched two campuses. We have a campus on Dolphin Island. We have a campus in downtown Mobile. I just left there this morning. God has been so good to Cottage Hill. We give all praise, all glory. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the fires. I'm thankful for the storms. I'm thankful for the difficulties. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. If nothing else this day and this week, I will give praise. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving. I will shout praises to his name, and I will forget not all his benefits. Let's you and I pray together for just a moment. Let's just enter into a time of prayer. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then our deacons are going to come and distribute the cup and the bread. The scripture says we need to prepare our hearts. That we should never take the Lord's Supper. We should never take communion in vain. The scripture says, examine yourself. Is there any unconfessed sin? How about your relationship with one another? How about you take a moment right now and just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for creating me. Lord, thank you for blessing me again and again and again. You have blessed me. You have blessed me, God, with the greatest gift ever given in the gift of your son. You have blessed me with the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins and life eternal in heaven with you. And you've blessed me with a peace and a joy. You've blessed me with life and abundance here on this earth. And Lord, I don't want to be ungrateful. So I lift up my voice in praise. I lift up my voice in prayer of thanksgiving. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the material blessings. God, thank you for the storms. God, thank you for the sorrows. Thank you. I'm going to pray for us. And the altar is going to be open. Pastors are going to be here in the front. Love to pray with you. And after our time of invitation, then we'll distribute the Lord's Supper and communion. In fact, as you take the cup, you'll notice there is a cup within a cup. The cup is underneath. It has a little bread in it. You just hold it. As the deacons distribute it, you just hold on to it. And I'll lead us in it in a moment. God, we come before you with hearts filled with gratitude. We thank you for who you are, for what you have done, and what you continue to do. 
thank you for your hand of blessing upon Cottage Hill. We thank you for the privilege of prayer and of worship. Lord, I pray for these this morning. They've never trusted Christ. That maybe this morning, enough courage, enough obedience, they would step out and come to a pastor. But Lord, in these next moments, in this time of invitation, have your way. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together.